0: Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. Let's have some fun talking with Stephen Ferroni. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? (laughs)
1: We're doing Very well, thank you. well, uh, very as well as could be expected in my hotel luxurious hotel room.
0: Yeah, the Four Seasons, Four Seasons, where is that?
1: Uh, downtown Manhattan.
0: Downtown Manhattan, and two days ago, you got COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice view, beautiful.
1: Nice view, it's nice, view.
0: yeah. And uh, <laughs> you said you got knocked out of a concert at uh, Madison Square Garden by COVID. <laughs> okay. You got all your momentum ready to go. I'm sure even as many uh, events that you have done, you still, you know, look forward to it. You got to psych yourself up.
1: You know, I love to play in in Madison Square Garden. It's it's one of my favorite venues on the planet to play in. I mean, there's probably like five five favorite places for me to play. And Madison Square Garden is definitely one of them. I've never had a bad gig in there. It's always been a great a great atmosphere, and and um, and 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 it's just the sound has always been great in there. It's always great to see Ron Dallas, who's the promoter. It's always great to see him. He's like eighty-five now. I've known him since I was like in my twenties. You know.
0: Well, who was the show? Who 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 were the uh were you John players? Mayer.
1: I'm playing. with John Mayer. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. So it, 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 I mean, I I just felt like I I felt like I caught a chill because it was very cold here. And uh, uh, and we live we're in a bubble, you know. We've been very very careful. And 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 I I just thought that I caught a a chill, yeah. Because it was cold. And uh, and uh, I I went in. uh, We played a concert the night before. It was fine. Yeah. It was really good. And I was looking forward to really looking forward to the next one. I went downstairs to the lobby to meet everybody. And I said, "You you know, I have my mask on. Yeah. 95 and i said maybe we should keep this on in in the van because you usually take them off in the van she keep right. a little bit of a cold and they said okay and uh we have a a, a lady a uh, uh, jillian that's with us That's a covid covid person that she's in charge of us and she said I, I'll, I'll test you when we get up to madison square garden so when we got up there she separated me from everybody immediately after we went through security and Put me in another room, and then a, 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 a nurse who, who's on the tour with us came in, gave me a test, and she watched me test myself. And I'm pretty good at shoving that thing right up my, my nose, you know, getting getting a good. good, good yeah. My doctor showed me how to do that back in back back in Los Angeles. Alex taught me how to do that, Alex Foxman. But um, uh, and uh, and then I sat there for a half hour waiting for this PCR test, and I had tested in the morning. It said well, I was and wow. uh, and they came in and they said you just tested positive i said what yeah, yeah. i said wow. well, what do i do i i i feel okay if you want me to play your show i'll play it with the master yeah he said uh we can't let you up there drop virus us virus like that we we can't do that you know you just got to go home wow. so, so they went and got the van and they put me in the van and they did the walk of shame <laughs> <laughs> it was all shame it was like everybody was looking at me and going Oh, poor Steve! You know it was the, more the walk of pity than the walk of shame. I don't know which one's worse. Yeah. They're both bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, poor Steve! And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'd like to go. I'd like to just get up there and play, do my job, and then go back. Well, let me tell
0: Steve. Let me tell people who, you know, give you a little background. Steve is, if you haven't picked it up so yet, he is English and he's an <laughs> English drummer, even though. You know,
1: he's... I'm an American too now. i got an American...
0: Oh, are you American citizen now too? he has been here forever. And uh, I was surprised to see... Well, I guess I knew the English part, but, you know, he was... How I know Steve is my brother was the right-hand man for Tom Petty.
1: Crew bus. He was the crew bus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for 40, 40 years, Bugs, Alan Bugs-Wydell, and he does an occasional show on the Tom Petty channel but uh, S- uh steve uh joined the heartbreakers in when was it 94 uh, uh
1: i started i started playing with them well we, i started on the wild uh, wildflowers album in, in october of
0: 1990
1: okay and, and uh we finished finished it uh, finished with my part of the recording in 93 in the summer of 93 and and then i started uh, uh on the road i think it was uh, 95 I started on the road with the heartbreakers
0: yeah and i know it was uh, uh stan lynch was the original drummer and a great guy great drummer decided he wanted to go do other things but and they they probably tried out a zillion drummers but then when steve came in it was just like tom relaxed he felt good and uh, he said this is my drummer and i don't have to worry about the beat you know we could play the same thing a thousand times and steve's going to be just solid and that that really made a difference uh for tom i don't know how much if he ever complimented you guys but uh i i would hear about it through uh alan
1: he's he, he always very complimentary to me uh, and and very appreciative appreciative of of what i brought to the band you know and 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 um uh, you know, uh, I I loved the way that the Heartbreakers worked on music, and and uh, and I, I remember uh, after I'd finished all my recording, uh, actually the day before Tom asked me to join the band in, on the road, uh, I, I'd 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 stop working. I was working with Brian Ferry, and I and I and I and I'd, and I'd stop doing that. And, uh, and and my girlfriend asked me, "What do you want to do?" And I uh, and I said. Well, I just go back and start you know studio stuff again. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't really. Uh, um, I wasn't really enjoying myself that way. Well. I mean, Brian's a great, great artist and everything, but the way that things were run, he would have these people that that, that weren't musicians sort of come and talk to the musicians instead of communicating with us directly. And uh, and and Tom would would. Direct, it was a band feeling, you know. It was, he would. Right it wasn't like somebody talking down through the ranks to, yeah. the, to the musicians. It was somebody that was in this, in the, in, in, in this thing, we we're in this thing together. And I love that. And I love the way that we, we, we approached music, uh, Tom's music and, 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 and Tom really just sort of let us make our parts to find, to find the music that he wanted to, 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 to go underneath his songs and his lyrics. He was a, he was a, it was a, a amazing amazing way of working for me i loved it you know, yeah
0: and 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 you have uh you know you've been doing this for a long time you had a, another band in the seventies uh average white band so, uh, how many years were you there i
1: uh, i think uh average white band was about uh, ten ten eleven years maybe
0: yeah and so you know, you recorded, just so people will know a little bit of your background, recorded with probably just about everybody, but highlights Eric Clapton, George Harrison, Duran Duran, Stevie Nicks, good old Stevie. <laughs> and
1: uh, this is what uh, I recorded with Christine.
0: Yeah, Christine McMay and uh, uh all Fleetwood uh, ladies, by the way, Fleetwood Mac and Rick James, Slash. Yeah. And uh, Slash is quite a character.
1: Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Yep, Steve. Uh, not Prince. Uh, 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 Michael Jackson.
0: Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, you. So you've uh, you've covered covered the battlefield, and uh, you know how the industry works. You've sur- you're a survivor. I mean, the the world's full of drummers, but uh, there's very few Steve Ferronis, <laughs> and uh, you there's
1: have to. Used to, to crawl through the, the you know the ups and downs of the music business yeah.
0: yeah. How Steve? How did you? Uh, and by the way, uh, you can find Steve. I need to mention this. On uh, he he kiddingly calls his show on uh, Sirius 31, the Tom Petty Radio. He's got a show, and he calls it the New Guy Show.
1: <laughs> used to say I was the new guy in the band. You know, and I was the new guy for 25 years. <laughs>
0: And and so he he runs the new guy show, so you can hear Steve. And uh, you know, and and please check in there. Steve, you know, Steve's a a fun guy, got a great insight on the music industry, and gives you some behind the scenes uh insights along the way. And it's always fun to listen. And so thank you for doing that, by the way.
1: Yeah, I enjoy doing it. I love doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so uh how did you get, so we're talking about a professional musician, big time, surviving, playing all the venues around the world. What are your top five? You said your top five venues. What would you say those are? What Madison Square Garden won?
1: Madison Square Garden, Red Rocks. Okay. Red Rocks. Hollywood yeah. Bowl. Where's, the, what's that one? Hollywood Bowl. Oh, okay. The Hollywood Bowl and, uh, and, 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 a, and a place called The Gorge.
0: Oh, yeah, the guard that's Washington, right?
1: Yes, and, and uh, the Royal Albert Hall.
0: Ah, the Royal Albert Hall. And so... Uh,
1: Those are my great. top favorite five favorite venues on the planet. I mean, if, you, if I had to go to, to Tokyo, then I would, say, I would say Tokyo Dome was a great place to play. When I played there with George Harrison. I okay. Know, George Harrison, that was fantastic. That was, a, that was really fun, too.
0: Great choices. And of course, you do have, you know, in, in this kind of life, it is an action-packed life. A lot of great experiences. got to be a blur, uh, uh, keeping up with it uh, and kind of surreal at times. But uh, Steve learned early on to think on his feet, to keep himself mentally prepared, to take advantage of opportunities how to get along with people, get along in in uh, a topsy-turvy uh, environment, you know, basically a tra- traveling circus version of traveling circus. And Steve, talk about when you you started out, or, you know, how did this, how, how did you get going in this? You know, get get out of England as a drummer well, and I, keep going in the music business.
1: I, I don't think that, that it, you know, it was just really i don't know if i really worked very hard to do it uh, i i it was something that i wanted to do when i was at school and i said they asked me if i wanted to be what i wanted to do when i left school i said i, I want to be i want to be a drummer i don't want to be i want to be a musician and they told me at school that i couldn't do that yeah and i said well ringo starr does it and they said well you know star that ain't you and i, you know, and I said well I could hang with ringo i think i could play that good you No. Know? Yeah. and they said no nah. and then they started to call me Ringo. so they started to mock me at school so i decided that i wasn't going to study anymore and i was going to just play the drums and that's what i did and,
0: how, uh, how old were you at this stage 12 12. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: This, you- it was about the end they started asking you what you wanted to do. school leaving age was 15, so they started to ask you about 12 years old what you wanted to do when you left school. And if I'd have said that I wanted to be a garbage man, they would have taken me more, more, more seriously.
0: <laughs> and where in England was this? Was this well, London?
1: In England, in Brighton, yes.
0: So were there, there groups that you could play with? And
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, I, being a 12-year-old, I... I it, I, there were these, the kids that were, that were playing that had instruments were all teenagers, right? They had yeah, more money, right. they had money and they, they buy instruments and, and one of these bands, um, uh, I used to play with the, this, this other little kid and he had a real, his parents bought him a real guitar. Yeah. He's yeah. And he had a real guitar, but he had a fake amp. He had a, he had a, a record player <laughs> his father Jerry rigged to have a Jack in it so that he could plug into this old record player. And get this, play the guitar, and then I played it like toy drum kit, and uh, and we play songs, and uh, and and I'd learned how to play songs. That when I was tap dancing, I I used to, I, I used to tap dance when I was a kid, and I got into a summer show, and 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 in the summer show there was a pit orchestra, and when we were up there doing our songs, I'd look down into the pit and I'd see this drummer, and I saw how he how he was playing with his hands, and I and I went and Practiced it, you know, to get these motor yeah. skills, uh, and so I, I learned how to do that. And then I listened to his, when I was up there on the stage, I listened to what he was doing with his feet, and then I worked out how to do it with my feet. And I, I could play. I, I ruined a lot of countertops, furniture, with, playing with knives and forks and banging around. And uh, my parents like bought me a little toy drum kit to play on. And then uh, uh, this kid who had a real guitar used to hang out in the music stores with the older kids. And uh, and they, they in those days when they needed somebody, uh, uh, ne- they put a thing up in the music store. You know, put a note up. Drummer, no, drummer needed, or you know, but need bass player right. needed. Right. And this band, their drummer uh, 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 was having his, his his appendix out or something, and 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 they had a gig. It was a, at the a youth club. Right. And they needed a drummer, and it was a blues band. And and my friend was hanging out in the store while they were discussing with the store owner the music store owner putting this notice up in there looking for a drummer and you know i mean kids my age we didn't talk too much to kids that were 18 because they just beat us up right right those would beat up 12 year olds in a heartbeat in my town <laughs> so we get clipped in the air from them they didn't like us we we're too little uh, and uh, this kid took his life in his hands and he said i know a kid that can play the drums and they said who's that and they said well he's is this, this, this black kid i mean i was the only black kid in town you know and and, said, and 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 seeing as they were a blues band they said bring him over and we'll try him out you know so the, the this friend came running around in my house we didn't have telephones then we had to go around and find someone and he said Man, there's this band full of big kids and they need they need a drummer and i told him about you and that they, they want you to show up at this place and i said oh great well you know and i was looking forward to playing." So I went over to this, to this house with these, these kids and I sat down and I played with these kids and they, they said, okay, well you can do this gig with us on Saturday. So uh, I went and did this gig with them, you know, in the, um, uh, uh, this youth club. And, um, and uh, when the guy got out of hospital, they, they told him that I was their new drummer, which put <laughs> there was this 18 year old that I'd done out of his gig playing the drums with the band and I felt for I sure that he would ambush me somewhere and beat me up, you know. Right. <laughs> but that didn't happen either.
0: Yeah, I, was, then, kind of, I was kind of think, thinking ahead as you were telling that story, like there's got to be a beating coming down the road for Steve for doing yeah. this.
1: You know, we we actually, you know, I mean, they used to play pubs as well. And you, you had to be 18 to play in the pub. And right. here i this 12-year-old kid playing with these kids, these 18-year-old kids in pubs you know and 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 one night there was this huge fight broke out in this pub and 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 they 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 threw me out and then they they got in front pushing all this massive melee that was bar fight that was going on away from all the equipment and i did across the street behind this in this doorway and then the police rolled up and went in there and you know stopped everything uh the next the next week we went there and we were sitting up there and we were playing and the police came in, and uh, and and uh, the, this this sergeant grabbed the microphone and said, "Listen, if we have any more of that what went on last week, you're not going to have any music in here anymore, and we won't have it. you know we, I'll, I'll shut this place down." And and and, and it, was, it was it was a pretty rough area of town, a place called Whitehawk, and and everybody was like, "Ah, screw you, copper!" Yeah. <laughs> and, and the cop just turned around and looked right at me and he said, how old are you? And I said, 18. And he went, how old? And I said, 12. <laughs> 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 so, he, so he took my name and address and he came around and he saw my mom and terrified my mom. and said, so, But, you know, I knew, I knew this other kid who's, whose dad was a, was a very high-ranking police officer who also played in a band. Oh. Playing pubs. And 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 he came around and he was like telling my mum, you know, if you your kids go, go he's, you're going to go to jail if your kid gets caught again in in you know playing drums in the pub. And, and and I said and I said to him, I said, listen, I I didn't I didn't know that you couldn't. I, I knew you couldn't drink, and I don't drink. And and I I I I just went there and play music, like Detective Superintendent So and So's son, who I know very well. <laughs> <laughs> he played the band and and his dad doesn't seem to say anything about it, yeah, and he said, "Well, just just don't do it again, you know and he and then and then I was up there playing it again in the pub, and he walked in and he looked at me, you know, and he looked at me, and he just sort of made like he didn't recognize me because <laughs> I wasn't doing any harm, I was just playing, playing music, you know, yeah, that's kind of then that's kind of been the story of everything. I yeah. I just, I don't know if I've lucked into it or I've been blessed with it. I'd say lucked. I've been blessed with this, with this path of. Luck. When did you,
0: when did you get the idea that you need, you know, get the idea that you had to do something and, you know, get tired of that and say, I want to move up. You know, I want to, you know, I want to be with bigger bands. I want to get in the, uh, Royal Albert Hall, you know, you know, where was that breakthrough? Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who've actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business, has accrued over $5 billion in assets under management, and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Well,
1: you know, that, I mean, I never did one. I mean, I just never did. and I, 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 Ambition never came into it. You see, what happened was, was that that explains a lot Steve well I I, I I played with bands I was playing with I left school at fifteen uh, uh, I, I I got a couple of jobs and then i I used to look in the music reserve paper that came out every week called the new musical express and there was ads in the back of the new musical express drummer needed guitarist needed bass player you know and I'd look at these ads and then I'd answer a couple of them and And finally, one answer got. I got an answer from this these band this band up up in um, in London, and I was working a job, and I was working with 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 a guy who was an ex special services guy who'd been seen a lot in World War Two, and I said, you know, I've been offered this gig up in London, and I was making good money as a paint sprayer, you know, uh, uh, and. And he said, look, he said, you can paint spray anytime. You know, he said, if you want to try your hand at being, go try and be a drummer. You can come back here and paint spray anytime you feel like it, you know? Yeah. And uh, and so I went up to London and did the Starving Musician bit uh, and then met this band who was going to Italy. And and they said, do you want to come with us to Italy? And we got into an accident on the way down to Italy in Belgium in the snowstorm and got on the train and went down to Italy. and." And then and then I started playing in this club in Italy, and this American guy came up to me and said he had a band, a guy named Ronnie Jones. He said I have a band. He said you want to stay here and work work with me and work with my band, and you know you can come live at my house with me and my wife and my kid. And uh, and um, and I did that. I and I uh, and started working with this guy Ronnie Jones, and then went to another band and another band, and and, and ended up. Like it got to the point when I was, I was just like having a ball, right? Yeah, all over Italy, girls, you know, yeah. girls, tourists would come in, or you know, American girls, Swedish girls, Italian girls, you know, uh, uh, playing clubs and just having a ball, you know, being a teenager. And then I, all of a sudden, I was twenty, and 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 it was like, well, I gotta, I gotta. To settle down, to figure out, and doing something. I was working with this band that had guys that were like professional level musicians, guys that could read music, and 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 I had to memorize stuff, and, and I wasn't very good at that. It took me a while to do that, you know. But these guys could read, sit down, and read music, and and they went to school with Nice. They went to Nice Conservatory, and, and and I was at this point of saying, well, maybe maybe I should do something else and i ran into some uh, some americans that were computer engineers that were that were in, in rome really? and, and 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 they they started talking to me about computers and i was like well that, that sounds interesting maybe i could go back home go back to school and uh and and start working in computers that would be a fun thing to do either that or or, or, or i'd have to learn how to read music if i wanted to do this play play music professionally i'd have to learn how to read music and figure out what i was doing you know instead of just playing and at that point these guys they got the offer of a residency in nice and they said do you want to come to nice for a year and play a residency in the casino in nice and i said could i get into that to that school that music school and they said yeah we could do something to get you in there and so i agreed to it on my 21st birthday i was in the back of a van going to going to nice they, they the the casino got me a, 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 an apartment uh, and uh, i went and started playing in the casino and and the uh, the director of, of percussion um uh, 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 the pro- professor the main professor of percussion a guy named jacques Carré came down and saw me play and said to me listen i understand you want to go to school and i said yeah he said, "Well, you know, you're too old." And I said, <laughs> I
0: said,
1: I, I said oh, "No, you're I, too old." Yeah. One, yeah. Right? yeah. And, he said, "Well, the eldest you could be, because it was a state-run school. Right. To get to the school for percussion was 15." Ah. And I was like, "Oh, well, what am I going to do?" And he said, "Well, I'll get you in as a teacher." And I'm like, mm. what, "What? What am? What am I going to teach? I don't know." He said, "Well." We teach classical music. They they strictly classical music, and you know how to play the drums. You know how to play modern stuff. You play. You can play Bernard Purdy, uh, 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 uh You can play Ringo Starr. You can play Charlie Watts. You can you can, you can play Billy Cobham. You got all that stuff you, that you that you're into, and we want to keep the young kids interested. So we're going to start a class, and we want you to teach it, right? Wow. And and in return for that, we'll put you in the solfege class, and you can, you'll, we'll teach you how to read music and follow charts. Uh, and 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 I said, uh, and I said, well, what? I said, when am I going to do my class? I said, well, you can teach private lessons too. And and wow. and and so I got, I got this bunch of kids that that I would sit down with and teach them how to play modern drums, and I got paid for it, and I went to school. And I got solfege lessons. Wow. And first thing I had to do was a radio show. Was a really? radio.
0: Show. Really? Back then <laughs> they, they, have a radio, they
1: have a radio show to show what the school is doing because it's like a government.
0: Ah.
1: So so um so uh, I put together a jazz thing and we played this jazz thing on the radio show. And that was the first thing I did for the school. Wow. And and so as a result of that I got to go for three for, for, for three years they kept extending the the uh, the, the uh, thing, the you know, the uh, the license. A few years before that, I jammed with a guy named Brian Auger, in a club in in Italy, and and uh, and I was in the casino one day, and and and, uh, and they came looking for me, and they said, "There's a telephone call for you." And I thought that it might be my mother who got sick or something, and so I ran over to the telephone, and it was Brian Auger, and he said. I haven't seen you in a while, Steve. He said, how are you doing? I said, fine. He said, so you, I, I got hold of your number through, through Robbie McIntosh, who was then the drummer with Average White Band. He said, I found out where you were. We tracked you down. Would you like to go to the United States with me? And I was ready to go. And well, I said, yes. I said, I'd love to. He said, right. He said, you got like, you got four days. And you get here to England. Yeah. So I had to get somebody to replace me in my job, sell, sell my car, sell the stuff that I had that, that was, that was around right. uh, my lease, pack up all my stuff, get on a plane and go, to, go to, go to England. And and, and, and then, and then, and then a couple of days. So five days later, I found myself here in New York city riding up Sixth Avenue going, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 uh, and that was the start of me working here in the States and, and then people started to take notice of what I was doing. I did some recording, recorded an out live album with, with Brian. People started to notice who's this guy playing drums? You know,
0: Steve. The thing is, number one, it seems like you've had divine divine intervention uh, leading you along the way and preparing places for you to go. It seems like it was intended for you to be a drummer. <laughs> well, yeah when you look back when you look back, it's like there was not another off ramp you could take the <laughs> show, yeah, Steve, you're gonna be a drummer, but now, while these you know the way I look you know and i I talk to people all the time about they look back in their story, and uh people are people who are successful uh know themselves, and I find that most successful people don't really think of themselves as being that special because they know all the stupid things they did along the way. And uh, kind of look at what they do and say, well, anybody could have done it, but not, uh, when you look at your life, it sounds like everything just opened up for you, but you had to be consistent. You had to be dependable. Uh, every night is different. It's kind of like being out here. And, uh, we talk about the snow on the ski slopes being different every day every night in a band every performance is different every personality you know you got members you know they they don't all show up in a great mood at night and uh uh you know you got to hold it together with that rhythm and uh you know it's 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 a challenge just to take advantage so i see you as somebody who took advantage of your opportunities to do what you want to do. And then you maxed out. I mean, because for whatever reason, because you loved it and you thought you were, you know, lucky to be doing it, uh, you know, at 12 years old and then being in Italy with all the girls. But when it came down to doing your business, you did it, you, you, you performed consistently in a way that got people's attention. What did you tell yourself? What were you telling yourself? Uh, that helped mold you into that kind of person where people would want you in their group and really want to do things for you, like get you into the school. What do you think uh you carried with you? Uh the vibe you carried with you, uh, you know, where you made up your mind to, you know, be a part of things, not be disruptive, you know, to 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 add value where you went through this thing. You had to be doing some things right, Steve. And
1: well, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but you know, as 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 with skiing, there's law, right? I mean, yeah. you're still on it. You're still on a pair of pair of two pieces of wood, and gravity has control. You right. don't, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: And kind of like that's 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 what happened to me. Was I I enjoyed making music, right? And I enjoyed chasing girls, and those two things sort of came together,
0: <laughs> right. With,
1: and uh and there was the i enjoyed the camaraderie because i was raised an only child and it was great to have the brotherhood of other musicians and 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 to be able to go through things with other people i mean i used to have to when i was a little kid i'd have to go through everything on my own now i had other musicians brothers yeah Yeah. Loved the same thing that I did. They We loved making music. We loved chasing girls. That was it.
0: Yeah. And how did that... And, and so as you grew up, where do you feel like you was were, were transforming experiences for you during that stage of your life? They kind of prepared you to handle things that well, came out the United States. I you're with a
1: professional. Definitely the fact that, that there was that opportunity... I I'd realized what, a, what it took to be a professional. And if I wanted to be a professional, there was certainly something that I had to learn. I could play, but I, I couldn't just sort of walk into a studio and be given a chart and be able to follow that down, follow the song down and, 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 and figure out how to play this song. I had good instincts, but I, I you know, that was, that was transformative period for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and, and as you look at that, uh, Talk about that. Being a professional, what did you, first of all, there was the skills, you know, you were willing, you wanted to do it at a high level enough to go back for three years and get those skills because you don't really learn how to instinctively learn how to read music with a, you know, a 90 day course or something. Most, Most guys who learn
1: how to read, most guys who learn how to read music, start learning music from a very small age. Yeah. So well, they read from being very young. I started to learn music when I was 21, which was kind of old for you know, for for a guy. You know, so so my reading skills are, are, are limited. Uh, I can I can work out a lot of stuff. I can figure out how to do how to handle a lot of stuff. I have got good instincts, but uh, some 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 guys I see some guys like Vinnie Kayuda, they sit down and they read stuff. First time that I would never be able to get my head around it would take me a minute. I'd have to work it. I'd have to woodshed it, you know. Yeah. But, 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 um, but uh, uh uh I think that it found me a niche that I could do, I could I was a good instinct player, a good field player, and I could follow a chart.
0: Yeah. yeah. And 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 you you were smart enough to realize that instincts uh were only going to take you so far. You know, at some point. And At some I, point, you can't go past your fundamentals. Wouldn't you say that's true?
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing—the other thing that came—I wasn't afraid to turn around to somebody and say, "Hey, what is that there? What is right. that?" I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to say, "I don't know what that is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what, am, what am I supposed to do with that?" You know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 I got I got taught. You know, the other thing that was transformed was like I started doing sessions in in, in England. And then I came here and I was doing sessions here and then I joined Average White Band. And, and when I joined Average White Band, I came to New York and, and started to, 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 to work on Cut the Cake album. And when, when a groove would come up that they liked, I'd write it out so I could remember what it was that I was playing. And then wow. I could, So this is the basic thing, I'd just write it out. And our producer, Arif Mardin noticed that. So when we finished recording Cut the Cake, he said to me, listen, I got a couple of sessions coming up. Would you like to do a couple of sessions for me? I noticed that you read music. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And he said, okay, great. So I did the first one that I did was a, was a Bette Midler album, a Bette Midler song. I forget what that was called now. And then the next song that I did was a song with Shaka Khan called I'm Every Woman.
0: That was kind of an important song. Yeah. yeah.
1: And And I got to do that. I got to work. I started to work with the with people that I credit as being the greatest school of them all, was Local 802, uh, 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 which is the Musicians' Union here in New York City, had some musicians in it that were just incredible. Yeah? Will Lee, Anthony Jackson, Marcus Miller, Niall Rodley. That's
0: local, local, what was that number?
1: Local 802.
0: 802, I won't remember that.
1: Uh, 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 Cornell Dupree, uh, uh, Richard T. Uh, um, uh, oh God, uh, David Spinoza.
0: What did you learn from these people that were elite in their arena? That
1: they used... weren't people; they were giants. Yeah, they were mints and some of them still are around. Now, so I can't say all of them, but, but but some of them have passed on, and they were giants. They they were they were they 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 Record companies would look at these guys go into the studio and start making this music, and they would say, How do they do that?
0: If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to wideleandwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Wydell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.